In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to Dwell, a Cersei Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. My name is Karen Kurt, and as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host Renee Mathis. Hi, Renee. Hey, Karen. It's good to see you. You've had a lot going on in your family since we recorded last week. So much going on. Yes, daughter got married. Katerina is married and off on her honeymoon in Crete. And the family, all the extended family and friends have gone home and it's a little bit quieter. Although I do have two grandchildren here in the house right now, but you know, it's quieted down around here. So, Well, we're getting ready for the influx next weekend. Uh, my daughter and her husband and six children are coming to stay for Labor Day weekend. So I'm busy oh, ba- baking all the things. Oh, what are you baking? What are you baking? I, um, <laughs> well, I realized I need to do double batches because the kids will eat a lot. Um, so I some cinnamon rolls ahead of time that I can freeze and then bake like that morning. And one of the granddaughters is having a birthday. So we're going to have a birthday cake with sprinkles and sparklers and, so and cookies and fun things to keep on hand. So, yeah, I just want to get it all done ahead of time so I can spend time with them while they're here. That's a good idea. Yeah, I did that with uh, making desserts for the wedding. Just filled up the freezer and then they were done. Was yeah, nice. they all them out. That's great. So today we are going to talk about a new book by Sally Thomas. And Sally is a poet. This is her first um, novel. It's called Works of Mercy. And we're going to talk about this in relation to the idea of having a vocation or a calling. And we'll we'll discover, um, maybe as we describe the book a little bit, how the main character, her name is Kirsty, an elderly lady. Well, I don't know. Is she all that elderly? Maybe she's not much older than you and I. Me anyway. Um, but how she comes to um, embrace her community and find her vocation. And if you haven't 
If you're not familiar with this, maybe I'll just read this paragraph on the back of the book so that um, the listeners can have an idea what we are talking about. So it says, Kirsty Sane, aging housekeeper for the newly arrived young priest, assumes that despite this personal change in her rural parish, her own solitary rounds will proceed as always. She will go to mass, clean the rectory, go home again. She will keep herself to herself in the highly hedged present and coexist in the past. When a hairless, eyeless kitten is thrust upon her, an unlikely deterrent to the mice invading her house, she declares, I am not going to love that thing. She has spent a lifetime... armoring herself against the risks of affection. But between the hapless father Schuler, who teeters on the edge of breakdown, and the crisis of the Malkins, a parish family whose cheerful chaos erupts in tragedy, Kirstie finds her own wounds broken open. Drawn against her will into the sufferings of these vulnerable lives, she returns to an old hero, the Elizabethan poet-priest Robert Southwell, whose Mary Magdalene's funeral tears provides a skeleton key to her own locked heart. In Southwell's words, love is the fire that renders all things new. So this book was just published recently and it's it's published by Wise Blood Books in 2022. And my son David had the author Sally Thomas come to his bookstore and do a book signing. And so I got to meet her and she signed my book and um, he's, he's selling it now. So if you want to get a copy Wise Blood book publishes, and I know that Goldberry sells it. So that's a plug for my son's bookstore, <laughs> unashamedly. <Of course. laughs> but so, well, let's just jump in. Jump in. Yeah. And I wanted to assure our readers, you haven't, our, our readers, our listeners, you haven't missed anything. Um, if you're wondering, wait, Karen and Renee, did we announce a summer book club? And, and no, I we did not. So we're doing it a little differently this time. We're just going to, we just picked a book to talk about um, between the two of us and kind of explore um, through, again, through this lens of, of vocation. So um, yeah, I, I'm glad I read the book. It was, it was very compelling. I wanted to, I couldn't wait to get to the end. I wanted to see what happened. I cared about the characters. I, I will say it did not end. Like, I mean, I, I do like, endings that are neatly wrapped up and tied with a bow and that is not the case in this book so um, there are a lot of loose ends at the end but I will say that our main character Kirstie does undergo a profound change and and that is that is very compelling to to watch and to explore and to kind of journey along with her as, as she you know, again, we meet her and she's this elderly woman who's a housekeeper for a priest. And she is the most buttoned up, locked up tight character you could imagine. And you ask, how is she going to thaw out? <laughs> Literally, she comes from a place in Scotland, Shetland, which is the far, far north of the island. And it is cold. I mean, so she's grown up in, in this cold, frozen place. They're closer to Norway than they are the rest of the UK. So there's a lot of um, Scandinavian influences in Shetland. And so she kind of has that fish out of water. Um, right. Because then the book is set in, in a town in North Carolina, fictional right. town in North Carolina here, you know, where it's the South, it's warm. It's everything that the Shetlands or, you know, nor- Northern Britishers are not. And so right. she really 
out of water. And then through the book, there's flashbacks to her own childhood, her Mm -hmm. years in college, her years of a broken heart and how she finds her husband. But um, you find that you, you learn that maybe the reason that she's like the way she is at the beginning is just because of the things she suffered Right. In some cases at the hands of other people, right? Like her college professor, you know, you find out that he was, he was lecherous. He was not a good man mm-hmm. and um, her heart was broken. And then she marries somebody who's, yeah, he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of a mama's boy, I think. Yeah. And <laughs> he's a bit disappointing. <laughs> he's just like, blah, he is. And, and, her mother-in-law that they live with is so disappointed that Kirsty can't have children. There will be no grandchildren that she kind of writes her off, I think. And um, Kirsty's just kind of left to make her own way in a sense, because she doesn't fit in to this town. She goes to a different church than they do. They go to the Baptist church. She goes to the Catholic church. Um, yeah. And then at the, at the very beginning, at, um, I think it's page eight. She says, um, she kind of describes herself here and says, well, she's, she's explaining how she, she does work. She, she cleans the, um, the priest's house and she does some work with the, um, with a guild, different guilds in the church. But she says, the work suited me. I did feel I should serve in some way, although I attended math, mass with assiduity. For too many years, I hadn't held up my end, as Rance, that's her husband, would say. I hadn't been taking one for the team. The difficulty was that I preferred solitude to just about anything else. In fact, I had once said to Rance that I craved loneliness. Anyways, they and then describes how um, their conversation about that. But it's it's so sad that here's this woman who is in her 60s, late 60s probably, and she craves just being alone. She wants to go and clean a house. She wants to go and do the work of cleaning a house, but she doesn't want to be a homemaker. Mm-mm. Right. Like, explains that she doesn't want to cook. You know, her mother-in-law, well, she lives in a house that had been her mother-in-law's and she doesn't even get to, you know, until her husband dies, she doesn't even get to make it her own. Right. So all of this is starting up with, with her very, very late in life. Like the idea that I can, I think she says at one point in the beginning, you know, I'm going to leave the floors this way and I'm going to pull up the carpet because I like it that way. And I like the hardwood floors. Whereas before she never had the privilege of, of making her home her own. Um, She, you know, you learn through these circumstances that she suffered that everything that she probably wanted to be and thought she would be and do in her life has not happened for different reasons. And, and so she, she really is at the point of kind of deciding, what am I going to do with my life? You know, is she just going to keep living the way she has been and staying lonely and alone? Or is, is she going to open herself up to, to relationships with other people? And, and it's not something I, I don't think that she decides, you know, she doesn't wake up one morning and go, I'm going to be friendly now and I'm going to make friends. It, it just sort of happens. The circumstances that, that happen around her cause her to be sucked into the lives of other people with, before she knows it. And then all of a sudden. Right. She, like kind of, right. 
landed on her. Like just finds herself like the first thing she finds herself with a ugly kitten that's hairless and blind. And they don't, she doesn't know what's wrong with his eyes. It looks like they've been eaten by something bums or something anyway. And the vet, the vet doesn't really want to put it down. So somehow or another, I don't remember how she gets the cat. She gets it from the, the neighborhood handyman. And and he is one person who has kind of reached out. To him. He is a, he is a good man. We were talking earlier about there are no good men in this, but you know, he's. Yeah. He's, I, I was thinking after I said that, because I, I don't think there are any good men, but I think everyone in this story is equally flawed. I think there's no good anybody. Everybody, everybody has their, their struggle. And, uh, they yeah. did. But this particular handyman, who's a very unlikely friend for Kirsty, when she has a, a problem with mice, he says, I've got the, the solution. I'll bring you a cat. And he brings her this blind, half-dead, hairless thing that, that she first has to nurse back to help to even see if it will live. And then they kind of, strike up this bit of a relationship that they learn how to coexist with one another. Um, he's not a very good mouser at first and, uh, but she feeds him and lets him, you know, she, she, you can see her starting to gently and slowly be, be willing to coexist with another human, uh, not a human, an animal, but um, I think it's therapeutic for her. Yeah. Yeah. To, to be aware of another creature. And to be caring for it and to see it come back to life. Right. Because she had never been able to have a child. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, terrible circumstances. But. And then she's, she, as she does her work for the priest, he's kind of a mess. He's brand new, very young. You you ask yourself, why? Why did you choose this vocation? Because he seems so ill-suited to being a priest. He doesn't like people. He doesn't... He doesn't seem to want to do anything pastoral in, in his vocation as a priest. <laughs> right. And and then she actually has to kind of help him and encourage him. And like, it's like the blind leading the blind right there. Right. <laughs> and how to love people. Yeah. But then, you know, then she meets this family with many children. And she just is, she's absorbed into their world. And then I think that's where she really starts to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Here's this family that, you know, by all appearances is just a train wreck. Um, yeah. The dad is Jewish. The mom is Catholic. The The kids half there's a ton of kids. I don't know, eight, 10, half of them are named for saints and half of them have Hebrew names from the old Testament. <laughs> and, and they're just this conglomeration, but the mom, it turns out the mom is pregnant and on bed rest. And so Kirsty ends up um, bringing them soup. And, yeah. you know, the title of the book, Works of Mercy, um, you just see Kirsty doing these little works of mercy with all the people that God brings into her life. And, and this family is, is, is a huge one because she not only has to you know, I, I think she'd be okay with cooking the soup, but she has to put it in her car and drive it to their house. And, and then, then the mom wants to talk to her and have a conversation. And she's freaked out about this, <laughs> but, but she does. Yeah. She says, um, says, I'll just read a little bit. As the autumn wore on, I tended the kitten, kept my house clean, the refectory and went to church. 
the rectory in which church. There on Sundays, I saw Howard and the children. The sight of them tagged me with a niggling guilt, like a slow leak whose source I couldn't trace. I began cooking whole chickens more frequently. I made quantities of soup and then hunted down my mother-in-law's chicken and dumplings recipe, her best company meal, though we so rarely entertained any company besides ourselves. On Sundays, I took the thermal containers from the fridge to hand off to Howard as he herded his children into the van after mass. Before, I had cooked out of boredom, or more accurately, I had cooked meals for myself as an assertion that I existed. But as surely as Rance had existed and was as much worth feeding as he had been, I had not believed it, and I had not wanted to eat what I cooked. Now I felt driven by something outside myself, a demand on my time and attention. I resented it, rather. Still, I did it. <laughs> so she's beginning to feel this call on mm -hmm. herself, mm -hmm. and she doesn't really love it at first. No. You know, she She's doing it out of duty because there's nobody else to do it. But nevertheless, it's a call. And I think that's how it relates to what, what you and I were talking about earlier about vocation. Right. And, so we were talking about, um, you know, the idea of, of work for the Christian and, and our work, um, you know, unlike in earlier centuries where there was this sharp divide between the sacred and the secular that you, you know, you, your work was either something that you did in a, a Christian context, like a, you know, a, a priest or a monk or a nun, and then everything else was secular and it's like, it didn't matter. But thankfully the, the, the idea of vocation has been enlarged to everything matters and anything that God has called us to do matters. Um, so our vocation can be a homeschool mom as, who's a teacher or a, you know, a mother of young children or, you know, a, a woman who works part-time from her home or part-time outside her home or full-time, whatever even the Lord has called you to do. Um, our vocations are a lot, actually a lot bigger and a lot broader, even, even than the, the job that we might do to earn money. So we can think yeah. about our vocation as um, what is my calling as a daughter? What is my calling as a wife? What is my calling as a sister? If you have sister, or like I have brothers. So yeah. Um, what is my calling as a church member? And what is my calling as a member of my neighborhood or my town or my, um, you know, the, the group I volunteer with? So all these little things that that these roles that we play can be different vocations. Right. I think in this book, seeing Kirsty kind of thaw out and and realize that she can be a friend to this family. She can be a, an encouragement to this young priest. Um, she can be a, a mother figure, if you want to call it, to this cat and, and help keep it alive and, and help make sure it doesn't die. Um, and she's starting to, in, I think through through all of that, she starts to face some of her own past griefs and and hard things and heartbreak. And I don't know, would you say, Karen, that, that there's some healing that goes on or some, some change? So because... You know, in the book, she she looks back on, on things and she's telling the story of herself as a young woman. And um, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but she has these dreams of a baby drowning, mm -hmm. you know, and then there actually is a crisis in this family, a tragedy. And it's like she she has compassion for that event because of what she'd experienced inwardly with her dreams of 
babies and not being able to have a baby mm-hmm. and actually at one point having had a baby die inside her, you know? And so I think that, that, well, she says when she's a young woman and she's um, reading Robert South, well, I think this is where she, she sees the quote, sorrow is the sister of mercy and a maker of compassion. And so she's developing as she's, taking on these works of mercy, she's also taking on a sense of compassion for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in all of that, she's being healed in herself too. Right. And, and like we said, there's, there's not, not, there's not some happy, there's not a happy ending for everyone in the book. There's a lot of questions that are, are left unanswered, but I think at the end, when, when, you know, Kirstie gets to hold that new baby, that um that has arrived it's you do sort of feel like a full circle right yes and that maybe she's going to be taking on a grandmotherly role and that she is the godmother but she's also going to be taking on a grandmotherly role and have more of a stable influence in the on that family and and a dear friendship with the oldest daughter lucy who kind of mirrors herself as a young woman but it's different opposite Mm. you know and and also I also enjoyed the the little there's not a lot of interaction but um, Howard's mother who comes to stay with them and she and Kirsty kind of have an uneasy truce but they 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 get along and and you kind of see interesting interaction with those two as as older women who care for this family but in very different ways that was, yeah. that was fun to look at yeah I was thinking as I was reading it about how. Uh, you know, in relation to vocation, that where everybody's called to be holy, no matter what tasks their hands find to do, or no matter what job they have, or what occupation, um, everybody is equally called to be holy and to save, to do acts of mercy and salvation in the world that they find themselves in. Yeah. To be you know, to be acting on behalf of God in a way, to be the hands, the hands and feet mm-hmm. of God in whatever community they're in, wherever you are. So, you know, motherhood, motherhood is more than just keeping your child physically alive. You know, it's more than keeping food on the table and the laundry done and the toys half picked up. It's it's a vocation to um to nurture your child and the world that you and your husband have created. Now, I guess because we had just had a daughter get married, I've been thinking about how they are their own little kingdom now. And, you know, you, you created a kingdom many years ago and so did we. And it's been our calling to see that kingdom nurture and to do whatever it takes to keep that kingdom healthy and to sacrifice as mothers and as wives and that's, you know, that's part of the vocation of being a wife and mother right. is the responsibility to keep the kingdom going, flourishing. Um, and and I, I just think that's, you know, that, that the idea of motherhood and marriage are holy vocations. You know, mm-hmm. we even scriptures say that we, women are saved through the bearing of children. I think it's because they, it's where we are sanctified. It's where we do our work. It's where we it's where we do the actions, the tasks, the cares, the, and the love that lead our children to their salvation. 
but it's also how you know we are sanctified in ourselves and in doing these acts of mercy kirsty becomes more holy and more sanctified less selfish like you see her growing yeah i i like this quote it's on um toward the end when when they're having the baptism of, of the new baby and kirsty reflects back on her own baptism and um it pages it on the bottom of uh, 253. And it was funny. It kind of struck. Uh, it was an interesting coincidence that just about the time I was reading this and finishing it up. Um, I had my birthday last week and my parents were telling stories about when I had been born. And it, one thing that I'd never heard, the, the story that I'd never heard before was that right after I had been born, um, my dad was there and he he had been working in Pakistan and my mom and I were going to go join him when I was three months old. But he was he was back in the States for my birth. And right after I was born, they um they took me and went to find a priest so that I could be baptized because my dad was Roman Catholic and my mom's Methodist. So um I, I never know. knew that they had they had taken me on a little journey to go find a priest <laughs> so that I could be, you know, have, have the right start in life. Um and Kirsty is reflecting back on her own baptism and she says, one way or another, the thing had been accomplished. I had gone forth from that place not knowing what had been done to me, but clothed with grace, nevertheless, for the life ahead. Strange grace, I thought. But when was grace not strange? So, you know, oh, wow. we, we live our lives not knowing uh, that the grace of God is with us, and we don't know where it's going to take us, but but it does. And um, like you said, we, we, we do those works of mercy and sacrifice um, in thankfulness. Yeah, that's those lines remind me, you know, that Sally Thomas, the author, is a poet. She was a poet first before writing this novel and, you know, those kinds of ideas. Beautifully said. About grace. Yeah. Well, I think I think um, this book is it's got a lot to say about motherhood. It's got a lot to say about vocation, about women's work and our relationship um, with the, the world in which we find ourselves. So. I think a lot of our, our homeschool mom listeners um, would probably probably find this a, a book worth reading. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe I should do it in my in my book club. Actually, oh. yeah. Well, I wanted to close and um, wrap us up to talk, talk about bringing full circle. Um, I also heard a quote uh, yesterday. Read it. Um, I'm working my way through Wendell Berry's uh, collection of short stories called That Distant Land. And uh, for those of y'all that have our Dwell coffee cup with the quote on it from Burley Coulter, who's one of Berry's very memorable characters. He's the one who said all women are brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and so he and in this book, um, in the, the short story called The Wild Birds, um, he and uh, a character named Wheeler Catlett are having a conversation and they're, they're musing on everything from friendship to brotherhood to, to where they live in, in Port William. And um, here's what Burley Coulter says. He said, the way we are, we are members of each other, all of us, everything. The difference ain't in who is a member and who is not, but in who knows it and who don't. Mm -hmm. So I think Kirsty comes to realize that, we are all members of each other, and, and she comes to know it you know, over, over her story. That's a good one. Thank, 
thank you all for for listening and for being with us. And we look forward to uh, visiting with you next time. And until then, here's to home. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.